Welcome to Collective Brew, where we take an amateur look at craft beer brewing. We may not know a lot about craft beer, but we know we like to drink it. Join us on our journey to learn more about the craft beer making process from different microbreweries and home brewers alike. Then listen as we subject two people to a hilarious taste test. Come learn with us. Welcome to episode one of Collective Brew. We're so excited that you've decided to join us. This week, we traveled to St. Louis and talked to the brewmaster and owner of Alpha Brewing Company. Who are you? Where are we? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Derek Langeneckert. I'm the, uh, I guess, director of brewing operations at Alpha Brewing Company. Right, and so we're here in St. Louis. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, it is in St. Louis. In St. Louis. Um, and you guys are kind of in the newer, newer hotspot for St. Louis, at least. Everybody says this is very up-and-coming. This is a very up-and-coming area. That. It definitely is down, downtown. I yeah. Mean, it's, like, not a super big city where there's, like, a thousand streets to go drink on. There's several districts, but downtown, you know, like, ten years ago was a bunch of vacant buildings and they uh, you know there's been a lot of money coming down here to like redevelop cool old buildings you know they used to be offices into like really cool loft apartments and stuff like that yeah to kind of you know it's gentrification so sure. obviously they're like attempting to move out the uh, riffraff or whatever you want to <laughs> that's call my it. favorite word lately everybody's <laughs> been saying that I'm like alright you know to move out um low income to bring down, you know, $1,500 a month rent people, you know, like professionals, some college students, the law school just moved downtown last summer and, you know, Bush State and Discovery built. Yeah, yeah. There's just a bunch of cool stuff going on down here. St. Louis is definitely going through, like, a revitalization. I think so. I mean, you know, there was a lot of, I don't know if you know, but St. Louis is a really segregated city. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was a tons of white flight early on, you know, I mean in like the 60s and 70s where everyone with money moved out into the county. And St. Louis is super messed up for that too because there's the city which is pretty small land wise and then there's the county there's St. Louis City County and then there's St. Louis County which is like a donut around St. Louis so like a lot of the money and the jobs all left the city proper and it's all been coming back Yeah, I mean, as the region grows, you know, no one wants to sit for two hours in their car when they're coming to work. I have to say, this is the only city that I've seen where you can walk to three different pro teams. Yeah, they're all down there. Within like 10 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, that's not a Chicago thing. That's not what we're used to. No. Yeah, but you guys are lucky because you have like a super dope transit system. We do. All right, let's not call it souped up. Well, Well, I'm just saying it's it's super nice because, you know, here we just have two lines on our subway, and it's obnoxious. It doesn't actually go anywhere. If I want, it goes to the airport, but it doesn't go near my house, so I couldn't, even though I live in the city, I couldn't take the subway to my house because 
you know, you have to take two buses to transfer it to the, you might as well just drive and pay the 20 bucks and screw it. Um, so, Alpha, you guys have been around just two years? Two years and two months. Two years and two months. What brought about Alpha Brewing? Um, well, I have this celebrity friend who wasn't a celebrity at the time. His name's Grady, and uh, he was on a couple TV shows. He was, he's a Green Beret, and he was back home on leave or something, and uh, we were just sitting around drinking some homebrew, and he was just like, dude, you should open a brewery. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, idiots like me don't open breweries. And then like the next day, it was kind of like, maybe it's like me do open breweries. I don't know who even opens breweries, because I'm always thinking like, man, it must be like someone with, you know, millions of dollars yeah. that opened breweries and I started calling people and looking at stuff. I got a job at Square One. I worked there for about a year. I volunteered for like six months and then they actually paid me the last six months. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was time for me to start working on this project. And it took about, I don't know, I'd say like nine months to get, I mean, to get all the equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. And raised a bit of money and put it all together. In terms of the way that you guys grew, you, you're doing actually something pretty unique. With the sour beers? With the sour beers. I guess. There's a couple other breweries that do some. Um, their side project, they do a lot of sour barrel aged stuff. Um, and Forehands does periodic releases of really cool, interesting sour stuff. But for the most part, no one's doing this. I mean, our barrel program is small, but we have a bunch of different beers. Whereas when I see the other breweries in town, they have maybe 20 barrels filled with the same beer, and they do a big release, and then it's all gone, and then we wait five months, and then the next thing comes out, and then it's all gone immediately. We try and keep, I think right now we have seven sours cranking out, so uh, seven sours on draft. Yeah, and, and you're uh, consistently going to be offering those, or are yeah. you going to be like rotating pretty heavily eventually? Um, you know, I mean, a lot of the sour stuff is like an experiment. So, you know, we get different barrels in, or um, we develop this yeast blend that we've got going on, which we've been using in a lot of stuff, and it's really cool. Yeast is kind of funny, though. It's uh, really finicky, and it kind of changes over time. So if you keep using the same stuff over and over and over again, maybe you take it out of one batch, put it in the next batch, put it in the next batch, yeah. after, like, 30 batches, it's, like significantly different than the first batch. Maybe not in a bad way, but, you know, just, it is different. Right, it's hard to keep the consistency going. Right, especially if you're blending several yeast strains. So we got a Chardonnay strain from these these guys out in California that we got their wine barrels from them, and they gave us some of that, and we've been blending it with some bacteria and some bread. And to be honest, we don't even know what's in this blend anymore because we've used it about 30 times. It still tastes great, so I'm not going to screw that up. <laughs> and we probably couldn't even get that yeast from them anymore because, you know, as you know, wine is usually wild fermented. So it's just like an open vat. And, uh, you know, whatever yeast is just on the skins of the grape just just starts going and poof, yeah. you get wine. So we got some of that and we were using it. And I think that was your favorite... I forget what it's called, if you can remind me. But the Apricotta? Yeah, that one was my favorite one. Cool. And well, that uses that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's pretty unique it's to me. It's the strain off of their Chardonnay yeah. grapes that they had going at the time. 
So, so we wanted to do delicious. Something. <laughs> so you guys are experimenting right. quite a bit. Um, yeah. What is like the worst thing that's come out of an experiment? Oh man. Everyone wants to talk about their best, right? There's, there's been some pretty I want to hear about some shenanigans <laughs> right off the bat here. There's been some ridiculously dumb stuff. So we did this experiment that we uh, learned about from this brewery in, in Peoria, Illinois, I think they are, it's Distill, and they were telling us about this uh, wild fermentation, no boil technique that they've been using, where you you do the mash, you pull the wort off the mash and put it into the fermenter directly, and you know, the mash temp is like 165, 180 something, 168, something like that, you pull it off, put it in the fermenter, and by the time I get the fermenter, it's about 150, and I was like, Nothing can be living inside of this fermenter. It's way too hot, and it's all going to be dead. And uh, next day, I came in, and the thing was bubbling like a rocket ship. And uh, oh like, all right, well, well it's, it was a stronger fermentation than I see with normal Saccharomyces yeast. And uh, yeah, like three or four days later, it was tasting. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad. It was definitely very sour, which is what we were looking for. But it just tasted like, like the strongest blue cheese oh, God. we've ever had in the world. <laughs> so that one went down the tubes. Um, we've had some ideas about how to figure that out. We've only tried that once, so I we're gonna probably have to try it like ten more times before we nail it. Right. Because it's definitely a great way. It's a quick sour. You know, so you don't have to wait months and months. You just wait like four extra days for right. the sour fermentation to happen. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna try that again and see how it see goes. How this <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty simple process. It's just uh, it's all about keeping stuff super sterile. But when you're doing it no boil, you're not boiling the wort. You're just transferring it to right. fermenter. That means that like the mash tun has to be extremely clean, almost as clean as a fermenter should be. Right. So it's a challenge, but I think, I mean, Distill has nailed it, so right. and we just have to do it some more times. Right, and something about being able to, to get that process down, I think that would be really interesting to see where you guys go with that. Your sour beers are amazing. I mean, each, each one I mean, is just a little bit different. Everybody that told me about Alpha, they're like, oh my god, I want a sour right now, thinking about it. And I was like, all right, I'll get there. Calm <laughs> down. Like, Jesus. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I think every brew kind of has their thing, you know, like, um, you know, Perennial's really known for Abraxas, they have this big, delicious stout, and they've nailed that hardcore, and Forehands has their regular beers, but I thoroughly enjoy beers like Super Flare or uh, Cuvée Diablo, which are their two just fantastic sours. Civil Life has their brown ale, and... You know, we've never been able to like nail that big stout, but we've been nailing the sour beers pretty well. And it, you know, it's like kind of disappointing, you know, in one sense that we haven't been able to like nail a big 12% stout, but I guess that's not our thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're <laughs> two years and two months sure, into, sure. into, into the, the game, so to speak, right. in terms of. Producing in large batches, and you're already doing great. Yeah. So I would say I don't worry. What, what actually what, what got you into Um, you want to hear the real story? I want to hear the real story. Oh Jesus, good. <laughs> well, one day I was watching Adult 
videos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I And, uh, you know, this little ad popped up on, like, the little side thing that was like, do you know how to brew beer? And I was like, I fucking don't know how to brew beer. <laughs> that should be something I should know how to do. And I uh, went down to the homebrew store out in Chesterfield and got a kit and brewed beer. And my homebrew kit just kept growing out of control and finally my wife was just like look this this is enough we have a whole second bedroom full of shit we had to buy a new stove for our house to like accommodate your stupid brewing we have a keg fridge we have thousands of bottles of all sorts of weird shit we had oak barrels like not full size but five gallon oak barrels going all over the place and our house just smelled like a brewery and yeah she was like this shit has to get out of here and then it was like all around the same time when Grady was like, you should open a brewery. And then I was like, I don't know. I mean, honestly, when we, when we opened this place, you know, I got all this money from all these guys, to like buy a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think the brewery would last five minutes. I don't know. It never really occurred to me that it could like actually work. You know, like you're right up this business plan. It's all cool. Like, oh yeah, we're going to make a million dollars or whatever. And, you know, but it was all on me. I had to do everything. So right. it was just like, you know, shit. You know, after it opened, it was like, you know, the whole time you're like working towards right, something. Like, right. yeah, working towards opening day. And then it opened. And I was like, holy shit. What do I do now? This is actually <laughs> Like, there's actually people coming in to drink our stuff. I thought it was going to take six months for people to yeah. find us on the backside of this weird building at the right. end of Washington Avenue. Well, we've noticed about St. Louis and the brewing community here is that you guys are pretty tight-knit. Yeah, I think the... The breweries are really tight knit. We're in the guild together, you know. I'm a, you know, it's kind of the unspoken rule, you know. You know, don't shit on each other because the, the real enemies are not each other. Right. I mean, the number one selling beer in St. Louis is still Bud Light. Right. It's not Schlafly Pale. It's not Civil Life Brown. You know, the amount of beer that Civil Life makes in Brown Ale is like, you know. One times ten to the minus six compared to <laughs> Anheuser Busch. <laughs> right, right. We make five barrels at a time, you know. So we get like on a good day nine kegs. They get like four thousand kegs out of one fermenter. Right. You know, it's like so you know, like dragging people away from macro beer because you, you never meet anyone who's like, well, yeah, I, I used to drink Imperial Stouts and IPAs. But yeah, I can't but buy that I shit anymore. No one says that. Everyone who meets like, yeah, I used to drink Bud Light like all day. I could crush a thirty pack, and now I just go buy a six pack of Moose Drool, and like that's you won. Yeah. Because yeah. that guy walking down the street now, he's gonna be like looking on his phone, like, huh? There's all these dive bars around here that are serving High Life or Natty Light or whatever. <laughs> but there's a brewery right around the corner, and that's the guy that's gonna come here and enjoy it our stuff, and they're going to enjoy every other microbrewery in town, you know, and we do have our crowd pleaser beer, it's it's a style called Keller beer, it's uh, Pilsner, we have that for the group of 15 that comes in, and there's that one guy who will not try anything that looks like motor oil. There's always that guy, and I'm always like, what's the darkest thing I can try in here, I'm very curious. Well, I I really, I, I like it. It gives me promise because I see a lot of women, like, for me, like, craft beer for men, it's like, you drink your Bud Lights when you're in college, and then you get a Strathic Pale, and then you get a Stout, and then you get a Porter, and then you get an IPA, and then you're like, after you've exhausted every IPA on the planet, and you've had every barley wine and every Stout, then you're like, well, maybe I'll try that sour beer. But for women, it's super funny because 
seems to me, you know, more into mixed drinks, more into wine. That's like, you don't even have to go through all that shit right. to get a woman onto like these sour beers. You know, it's like, you like rosé, right? Well, we happen to have this beer that was fermented with rosé yeast in rosé wine barrels, but apricots. Like, Done. I like apricots and I right. like rosé. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easier yeah. style. Right. And, and then something that we've noticed too is um, women are starting to really shame men a little bit. Into, like, being a little bit more adventurous. I think so. Tasting, you know, they're not. They're, they're the ones who are coming in and ordering the darkest porter, going, That's me. What, what, you know, let me try your sourest, you know. You just have to get your girly doubles. friends, you know, I'm trying to get my stupid guy friends off of Natty Light. you got to get your, your stupid girlfriends off of Lime Marita. Right. That <laughs> <laughs> should have never, ever been a thing. Wow. Shmeet wow. off ice. Oh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> So much gross. So bad. <laughs> Have you ever tried their strawberry burritos? Their beer burritos? Oh my god, they're fucking nasty. Oh. I have a prohibition against it's, that particular it's really brand. It's nasty. <laughs> it comes I, in a can. It's a margarita in a can. I'm, I'm fully like, aware Like, that's what it not is. A right. <laughs> if it was free, if you brought me one, I would try it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. Don't, do not even free one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're partial because we grew up in Chicago, so we're, we grew up around beer and brewing, but like, I can't even picture now drinking like a lime marina in a freaking can. That's freaking nasty. Yeah, so, you know, at least here, you guys have had a really interesting fight with, you know, um, in terms of bringing up well, craft brewing and making it something that is an alternative staple, right? Sure. Whereas like here in Chicago, we can, we can say we, we've had craft brewing for 30 plus years, we didn't have that struggle. People were willing to try it out. Whereas here, I think it's an expectation almost. Well, so lights. like the first craft brewery was Schlafly. They opened in '91. They definitely had a fight over legality things because Anheuser Busch had a war chest and lawyers at disposal. Unfortunately, Anheuser Busch bit the uh, they bit off more than they could chew because the guys who opened Schlafly are senior partners at the biggest law firm in town. Thompson Coburn. Gotcha. So they kind of got their asses handed to them. There's all sorts of silly things. I won't speak for them, but right, um, right. They, one, they one of the things they're trying to nail them on was like you can't have breweries this close to each other, and they're you know the only brewery in Missouri for like 80 years was Anheuser Busch. So you know the, mm-hmm. the tax department and all these label approval divisions and all that sort of stuff had like one person doing nine jobs because it was just one company, and it was just like oh that label looks good, rubber stamp done, you know. Right. But then when Schlafly opened, it was like, I don't even know what this statute means to even, like, what paperwork does this brewery even need to do to, to get open? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, yeah, no, one, no one's opened a brewery since, like, 1931 or whenever <laughs> Prohibition ended. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, Anheuser Bush clearly wrote the rules for their own right. reopening. Because they're the only brewery in the whole they're city. The only ones left. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the other ones closed, so they just, you know, they got to do whatever they want for a long time. And it, but to their credit, they did lots of good stuff. They made our booze tax one of the cheapest in the country. I think it's the second cheapest. We pay a dollar eighty-six per barrel, which is oh, wow. extremely cheap. When I look, yeah. we were just down at Yazoo in Nashville, and they had some big poster in their brewery like, "Come out and support craft beer. We're trying to get the liquor tax changed." And they were paying like twenty eight dollars a barrel. 
Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, if you make 100 barrels in a month, you right. can pay that at the end of the month. I have to pay 45 bucks or something. Right. Down there, they have to pay like three grand. Three grand. Yeah, that's like, that's nasty. That sucks. Yeah. That's, that's that, ridiculous. That means every keg you buy in Tennessee, there's like 15 extra bucks tacked on. That just, goes to the just state. Just for the tax. Yeah. Holy so God. they did that really good. They also made, they weakened the three tier system a little bit, which seemed like a problem when we first opened. You know, that the distributors were kind of in bed with Anheuser-Busch, but, um, well, for a while, Anheuser-Busch owned their own distributors, and which gives us a leg up because we're our own distributor, too. Right. So the brewery owns all three aspects of sales. You know, we're a manufacturer, we're a retailer, and we're a wholesaler. So it saves us a lot of money because, I mean, as cool or not, whatever the distributors are, they do take a cut of your profit. Absolutely. And we can't even hardly make enough. So we have, like one draft account we're in five liquor stores but if we had to pay if we were forced to pay them yeah then we probably wouldn't be in any of that stuff just because it costs it would just be too expensive so what what surprised you the most about running brewery it's different from like craft brewing and all yeah yeah well i mean not about even craft beer i thought the hardest part about this thing was would be to make beers that taste good i was freaking out about it so much but you know, after we open, I re- quickly realized the hardest part is not making the beer. The beer pretty much makes itself. The, yeah. the, the employees, you know, making sure they show up on time, the bar staff, making sure they actually can describe what beer you're drinking, or, you know, things just as simple as, you know, you like stouts, but the guy who walks in likes IPAs, and you're trying to be like, no, the stout's really good. It's like, no, give him what he wants, not what you Right, yeah. so trying to get them to, to not... Oversell the product, but just to let the product kind of itself. Let them enjoy what they're going to enjoy no matter right. what. Right. I mean, just because you don't like a lager, you know, the Keller beer doesn't mean that this dude is ready to try a sour IPA. Right. Right. <laughs> and I mean, in the same thread, it, the thing that has surprised me a lot is just the public's lack of knowledge about anything. Like, so many people describe their beer as yellow or black. I mean, like, come on. Like, you don't describe, I guess, maybe you do. You describe your wine as, like, white wine, red wine. But there's, like, you know, and Chardonnay and right, Zinfandel. And, you know, there's, and they're all different grapes. And they're all different flavors. Some are dry, some are sweet. Mm-hmm. Some are barely, some aren't. Right. And, yeah, so, I mean, I guess I never thought about wine. But, you know, <laughs> with beer as well, you know, everyone is used to just drinking this American-style Pilsner. Right. You know, to try and describe something like the tequila black ale, where it's like, well, it's sour with lactobacillus, it's a kind of a stout grain bill, but it's really dry because it's sour and it aged in tequila barrels. Which, by the way, is delicious. I had that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I've been but talking you, about it all day long. You try to tell some guy that just comes in off the street, like, well, tequila dark ale, what's that like? And you're like, woo. And then you have to have, like, you know, like 10 cents description. Right. And I think, too, especially with the dark ales, is, you know, somebody looks at that and they're not used to it. They're going to go, Way. I, mean, I, hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when people say that. Too. It's, just, it's so it's so surprising. Um, a taste. It's All the different tastes that you can have with a beer that may be a darker color, people are just like shocked. They're like, I can't believe this tastes like this. I'm like, did you guys try that Stone Golden Stout? Stone's Golden Stout. I don't think we did. I don't think we did. It was this color and tasted like motor oil. Was the opposite end of it? No, no, no. It was like it was like a golden stout. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, it was super. 
I don't, it was really cool. I don't think I've like had that. on cocoa nibs and coffee and all sorts but of I'm, stuff. I'm really curious. Barrel aged it. Really? I, I can't remember the particular brand name, but I heard the, the yeah. fancy name of the beer. But it was Golden Stout. See, and that's surprising. People aren't going to expect that. No, right. no way. They would look at it and go, this looks like... They're like, probably going to chug this. Commercial. Yeah. Well, <laughs> only craft beer snobbery is going to buy a beer like that anyways. Yeah. Not, not that they're trying to fool Bud Light drinkers into drinking a right. yellow style flavored beer. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's an interesting twist. Interesting. Uh, kind of like when Guinness came out with People were like, what the hell is this? Uh, it's just they're trying to get into the They're trying to get in the American market. market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. But I mean, Anywhere with, they can. But with the beer, so even if you're telling these people, like, it's tequila black ale, and you're telling them all these, like, because, you know, we all speak beerese, and you're trying to tell this new guy, like, what this is, and you even words as simple as bitter and sour, like, just don't register, because they have a hard time describing, like, what they're actually tasting, and it's, even for our staff, you know, it takes a while for someone to get to the point where they can actually like accurately describe like you've had a thousand IPAs they all have different hop varieties in them all sorts of right. different things one's grassy one's resiny one's really fruity like galaxy to chinook to right. Right. Yeah. or something yeah. and if you just say oh yeah it's hoppy it really doesn't mean anything it's kind of like saying yeah the car has four wheels <laughs> they all have four wheels <laughs> how, how is this IPA different or what what IPA does this compare to right but what that really means is that the person behind the bar has to have had like 500 different IPAs to be so like yeah this one is just like Schlafly this one is totally Belgian style because I've had those before this one is really like stone this one is like Sierra Nevada be a big photo if you had this one it's got the nose of this but the body of you know like yeah. There's so much. It's, it's, it's not it's easy. It's very intricate. I mean, people just assume beer is. I think there's a hundred. I think it's all white American little bloggers. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a hundred or so categories of craft brewing, right? And that's it. But when you actually start looking into each category, you can say it's beer in ten different ways and right. still not hit every single option right. available to it. Right. I mean, for wine. Well, for beer, you know, there's hundreds of different yeast strains. There's hundreds of different malts you can use from many continents. There's a thousand different hop varieties you can use. So, you know, just do some bad math. And come up with like, you know, I don't know, hundred billion. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how many different recipes you can use. And then you can make them all different alcohol strengths and age them on different things and all the spices you can put into them too. Right, right. It's kind of endless. Put them in different point. barrels right. and then yeah. you know, double some things, drink some things. Right. Um, throw some tequila in there. Throw some tequila yeah. in there. <laughs> put some flavor shots in there. You know. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we enjoyed um, when we were here uh, was some of the art for your, for your bottles. Oh, can yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about those? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we have this indoctrination series. Um, no, I can't wait. <laughs> so each month is kind of making fun of some religion. I mean, I think we're to the point in society that we can, like, make fun of religious beliefs. Because, you know, let's be honest, some of them are pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, you know, we started with the atheist ale. Um, the, the picture was... Uh, 
Bill Nye is a chimpanzee. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of making fun of what the other side would say. So, like, you know, every young Earth creationist would be like, oh, atheism, they think we came from monkeys and they believe in science. You know, and the atheist would say, like, you don't have to believe in science. It's true whether you believe right, it or not. Right. And we didn't come from monkeys. We evolved from a common ancestor. Yada, yada, yada. Right, right, so, yeah. you know, so, you know, you like, you go down to uh, other ones. We did the gibberish porter. It was a chocolate oatmeal porter. And uh, it's kind of making fun of those snake handler uh, Pentecostal oh, yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. So, like, it was a Quaker Oats guy with a snake wrapped around his neck. That's so perfect. And uh, the, the description on the label was just like, you know, the speaking in tongues. You guys yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, something. Like the whole label was just all written in gibberish. <laughs> um, next month is super funny, I think. It's a Satanic Saison. It's a lemongrass, lemongrass, black pepper, ginger, sour Saison with that oh, same wow. blend that we've Sounds been so good. doing up. And uh, the label is like Satan, but he's like holding a bunny rabbit with a <laughs> rainbow. Because, I mean, Satan's been so misclassified, you know? He's not all that bad of a guy, right? Everyone's like, oh, Satan. Like, Satan did it. No. Maybe he did do it. <laughs> but rainbows and bunnies. But right, right, yeah. I mean, he's like a nice guy, right? The Bible describes him as like this, uh, you know, Lucifer was the bearer of light, right? Right. Yeah, it's probably a, Yeah, he, he always takes the shit for everyone's, you know, honest mistakes they make themselves. Yeah. I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> I know. I really want to try that now. You describe it. I get so thirsty thinking about it. The hardest one, you know, it's kind of funny because when we started talking about doing the indoctrination series, I wanted to make it really offensive because, you know, hopefully, you know, the news would pick it up and then we'd be on the news <laughs> like, you know, Satan worshiping brewery, <laughs> uh, you know, mocks Christianity or something stupid like that because any press is good press typically. Right. I mean, everyone would drive that's, that's what people to buy say. the Satanic oh, Saison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, our investor group was just like super paranoid, like, oh man, you're going to piss off, like, there's a lot of Catholics in town. We had this Pope Mobile beer, it was a Brat Cream Ale, and uh, the, the picture on it was a T-Rex driving the Pope Mobile with the Pope hat on. <laughs> and it was an ice cream truck, so all these little kids are running to it, you know, like, subtle pedophile joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're just. If you didn't look, you would just miss it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I was like, they were, they were really concerned this was going to like alienate us, and everyone's going to be like super mad. I mean, but I see lots of Maria's beers, and they're all like really trying to piss people off. And the hardest one, I, we have this Muslim beer. It's called oh, Submission man. Ale. It's a smoked brown ale, and if I was allowed to. I would, I would do Mohammed's picture on it. Right, right. They were too afraid. They threatened to vote me out. Really? If I put Mohammed on it. Wow. Yeah, it's disappointing to me. Right, there. right. Shit. Well, they were afraid the brewery was going to get bombed. Yeah. Right, some suicide right. bomber shit. And I was like, if they bomb us, they prove our point. That 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 is stupid. What you're doing is stupid. Right, Your right. beliefs do not trump reason. Blah blah blah. Yeah, so instead we have a nice looking pig in a burka. 
That's like complete opposite, but that's so good. And like the whole description's like, this beer will blow your mind. seven sours and seven traditional beers. We kind of split up on the menu between beta, beta's all the barrel-aged stuff, and alpha is all the uh, traditional, you know, IPA, pale, uh, stout, red ale, kelp beer, IPA. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I missed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the sours, you know, the other the other seven beers we got on draft today, um, you know, the Popemobile's a bread cream ale, so it's 100% bread fermentation. And a cream ale is typically uses corn in it, which gives it a kind of finer mouthfeel, but also a bit of uh, cream corniness a little. Not very much hoppiness, I think it's 10 IBUs. Sour IPA was super interesting. Uh, it's uh, 7% IPA Asian Chardonnay barrels. It was a sour mash technique. And we uh, dry hopped it with Citra, and it's 50 IBUs. That one was the most interesting one. I, we were, you know, puzzling over it for a while because with beer, there's a lot of food analogs. So everyone's had sour food. You've had pickles. Right, had, right, right. So you know, you're like thinking, all right, what what thing is sour and bitter that we've ever had? Like, is this even going to work out? Like, there's sour and spicy. There's like kimchi. Right. There's sour and yeah. salty, like sauerkraut. I haven't had anything that's sour and bitter, like with the hoppiness. So you're like really, you know, just like trying to figure that one out for a while. But it turned out really good. So, right, right, yeah. So then the story is, I guess that's a good idea. Um, you're never, you're never gonna know until you actually try it out. Right, and we had to try it. Right. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, who cares? Five months later, uh, okay. <laughs> guess it turned well, that's out. Gonna be the Right, we wait all this time and then staring at it. We have only had to dump one barrel that we've aged. It was this delicious apricot saison. It was aging in red wine barrels. It was so good. We kept tasting it and tasting it. But um, we're it was in our cellar. We used to have the cellar here yeah. we were storing barrels down there. And it, one day we went down there and it was covered in like black mold. So that was a dumper, and we we tasted it against our better judgment, you know, like, if we die from the fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> so we had to dump that one out. But, um, yeah, since since that issue, we moved stuff up out of the basement into our tasting room, which gives us, you know, we can watch it more. Yes, yeah, so we actually used to have tables there. <laughs> you don't need tables. Yeah, no, I don't need I think you'd rather have that than black mold thrown all over I mean, it's kind of funny because a lot of people come in and we have these barrel-aged beers and they'd be like, well, where's the barrel? I don't see any barrels here. What'd you do? Just put, like, b- barrel flavor in? Like, <laughs> come on. You know, like, <laughs> barrel flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now that they're all here, there's like, you know, it's like, oh, this is actually a serious thing that they're, like, taking out tables to put in space mm-hmm. to do these things. 
And it's one of the problems with the barrel-aged beers is that they're always more expensive because we have to buy the barrels. We have to buy a forklift to move the barrels. We brew beers today for Christmas, sort of stuff like that. So yeah. it's like, hey, it's taking up our space, our time. We do lots of, we put a lot of energy into that stuff. And As yeah, and then they're like, it costs one more dollar. Like, yes, it costs one more dollar. It should cost eight more dollars, right. but no one will buy it at $18 a pint. Mm -hmm. So I think the barrels being here is like, oh, it's actually a real thing. It's not just some bullshit thing where they like beach wood aged or some bullshit like that. It's like, no, actually, it's like actually a thing where there's like actually things that you put the beer in and sometimes like, you know, the bungs like fart a little bit and it's like, oh, that thing's alive. There's something going on in that thing. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever like ever. It's probably the best part. Well, like silent and everyone looks around. What? It's a barrel. Um, should we ask your favorite question? Or do you get? I'm sure I have a couple more. You got more before we do the favorite. Yeah. Um, it, you guys swap things out, so to speak, and you're, you're, you're testing out new things, you're trying new things out. What's been, like, the community response to that? Have people been, like, really pissed that you're out of their favorite, or are they totally, like, loving the fact that they Like, what's next? Yeah. That's a really good question. We've encountered, you know, when we release beers, there's usually, like, a quick rush to get in and get them, and, uh, which is super cool, you know, there's lots of, like, excitement about it, and then, you know, after, like, Usually beers stay on draft for maybe four weeks or something like that. And, uh, yeah, then, I mean, it's funny, like, post on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, like, hey, new barrel age, blah, 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 something, something. And then you get these people that, like, come in, like, eight months later, and they're like, hey, do you still have that Valentine's Day beer on draft? <laughs> and it's like, no, man, it's November, dude. It'll be on draft in four months at next year's right, Valentine's right. Day. So there's, you know, some complainingness about it but I mean what I've seen from that particular group of miners is like super consumerism you know likes going to Walmart and drives a new car and doesn't get it right like you know you don't whine that you can't get a 2006 bottle of Beringer Zinfandel do you right right no one complains about that <laughs> <laughs> why are you complaining about getting like would you even want to drink a beer that's nine months old right nope and that's, no. that's why, <laughs> why would you is uh, the beers that you're drinking here are all very fresh right right they're they're not still they're not tried over and over and over again and decades later you're still trying the same beer right i don't hope not i mean we do have four mainstays that we've had for a long time a red ale um, the Storter, which is a brown porter, and then the Golden Nugget Pale, just a reasonable little pale ale, and then the Keller Beer, which, you know, we do have several regulars that come in and drink those all the time. They don't try anything else, which is right. kind of funny to me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, most of our clientele is looking for something new. And I think it almost is, is okay for us because we're downtown, so we get lots of tourists. We're in a city museum. There's lots of tourists that go there. So we get, like, a lot of through traffic, so not having something next month and having it this month, like no one cares. That makes sense. They just kind of remember the experience, like, oh yeah, that, that one bear head down there was super awesome. I'm totally going to have to go back and see what they have next time. And you guys are bottling some brews and 
Yeah, 22s in bombers. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's It sucks. Bottling sucks. But, I mean, that was one of the biggest complaints we had. You know, we, we do growlers of everything, but you can't age a growler of anything. Yeah. So, you know. It's got such a short, short life. Right. I mean, I'm sure the Piltmobile, since it's 100% bread, if you took those bottles and aged them for a year, it would become more funky, more whatever. Yeah, definitely. The, the, two, the two Valentine's Day beers, we did Honeydew Brew and I Do Brew, and one's a Belgian Triple and one's a Belgian Quad aged in uh, Woodford Reserve barrels. So, yeah, that quad. That's right up you know, my alley. I thought that quad was going to last here for like 10 years. You know, like the five kegs sure, of it. Just yeah. like, man, you know, cause it's not like the calorie. You can't even have 10 of them. You right. two and you're done. Right. And, yeah, it moved really quick. And then there's all sorts of, you didn't save me any? Like, no, I wasn't <laughs> saving any. <laughs> yeah, well, I say these all right here for you. These are all you. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, I mean, to put them in a bottle, like, Putting that quad into a bottle is super cool because maybe you buy two, you drink one next month, and you drink one next Valentine's Day when we have the next one come out. Yeah. Which would be really cool. So the bottles are just the easy way to store things that can be cellared. For a little bit longer than. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys come up with the names? You get drunk and do some drugs and. Write them down a piece of paper <laughs> the next morning. You're like, what the hell? This was a bad idea. This is all right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you know, we you kind of have this. No, no, it's uh, it an executive decision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually me and the brewer, his name is Tony. We usually get together and drink some beers and, you know, kind of have this religious thing going on. So, you know, like Apocrypha is... The Apocrypha, or part of the Bible, were the books that weren't allowed into the canon of the Bible. So we we're like trying to figure out. That's like a sour black saison aged in Pinot barrels. Like there is no category for this thing. It's like not allowed in any of these right, categories. Right. Like if we're gonna put it into a contest, we just lose everything. <laughs> there's no like weird, strange beer category. I know. <laughs> so yeah. This, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't it's just know. kind of naturally coming out. Yeah, and things have kind of changed over time. When we first opened, we were doing a bunch of uh, like Latin pronunciation names. Um, we've since moved to color labels, which I don't know if they actually sell more beer or not. I don't think so. But <laughs> it's more entertaining. It is more entertaining. But, you know. I don't know. The names are the stupidest part. I just wish you could just call it beer and people would buy it. Beer one. Beer yeah, two. I know, beer right? Three. Hey, you can try that. <laughs> I mean, a bunch of places have, like, cool series, like, you know, the mixtape thing from Stone, you know, where they have, like, mixtape number 18, and I have to think about yeah. what the label looks like. It looks the same as number 17. <laughs> well, it just says mixtape 18 instead of mixtape 17. Right, right. It's doing all the work for you. Right, right. It's super easy. I haven't been smart enough to come up with a series like that yet. One day it's just going to come to you and you're going to be like, this is it, we're doing this tomorrow. I, I think the indoctrination series we're going to keep around for a while. It's good. Because the beers it. are pretty cool and interesting. and It's a fun way to work in. Yeah. It really is. Plus, it's I'm like really is. interested in politics and religion. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hand in hand. Plus, I, I like it. to make fun of people. So. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I'm totally okay with 
okay with it. I think it's my Chicago sarcasm. That's like down yeah. All right. Last Are we ready question. for yeah. last favorite question? This is our favorite. I don't know why. Okay. So I know, but everybody's like answers it differently. All right. How would you drink your favorite craft beer? Like, what is your favorite way to do that? Scenario, anything. <laughs> I just drink it's it with so friends. It's so open ended. It's really intended to be that way. I mean, I think there's a lot of snobbery about needs to be the right glass. I think you should just drink it out of whatever glass is there. But, you know, craft beer is more about a community than it is about hiding whales in your basement and posting <laughs> pictures on Facebook about how cool you are because you waited in line at Dark Lord Day for 17 hours right? to get that one fucking bottle for $42. Oh, I got like, friends like that. It's so obnoxious, <laughs> and I think that that mentality will be the death of craft beer. Interesting. That if, if those people are allowed to... Define it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this elitist culture. You know, everyone likes a nice steak. Yeah. But everyone doesn't like to hear their asshole neighbor talk about how nice their steak was and how they're saving leftovers in their fridge for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Oh my god, I never thought of it like that, but I'm going to think it's about like, it like that every day. Like, buy your beer, drink your beer. If it's a beer that should be aged, age it. Buy three of them and drink one now and one later and one later on. Yeah. And share them with friends and don't don't be such an asshole that you have to parade it around and show people and brag about how long you waited in this pouring rain and snow to get this fancy beer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love it for there to be lines outside of our place to sell all of our beer in five minutes and then right. just close for the week. <laughs> that's cool. But, I mean, that's it's not about that, you know. I mean, we can make our sours. $15 a bottle and only sell them in bottles and only sell them on Saturdays at noon. Right, right. Like, we're here to, to try and educate people about what they're actually drinking. Like, this is a sour and this one's aged in red wine and this one's aged in rosé barrels and this is how they're different and sit down and try both of them and they're not $19 a glass. They're 7 Right. Like, that's affordable for most normal people who are at least interested in craft beer to come try. Right. And I think that's that that sort of mentality is going to go way further with normal human style people than it is for that small minority of beer drinkers, the 0.001% that will stand in the snow. I mean, Dark Lord... Dark Lord is, Days. It, Dark Lord Days is a fucking awesome beer. Yeah. But can you imagine what would happen to the price of that beer if they just made it year-round? Right now. It would be cool. Everyone could drink it all the time. It would be a $10 bottle on the shelf at the liquor store. Right. Exactly. But instead, it's a fucking $80 bottle or whatever it is. You wait in line to get a lottery ticket to buy another lottery ticket to pay 10 more bucks to wait in a different line. And then every third person gets a bottle. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's just like, oh, kudos for you. You have made this cult around your awesome beer. But mm -hmm. that that doesn't help that, that guy that's just getting into craft beer. Right. That's like, oh, I heard about Dark Lord. And then all of his snooty-ass friends are like, Oh, you can't have any of it because it's too precious. It's too expensive. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, man. That's it's just beer. Right. It's not even like a 1902 port that they found on the wreck of the Titanic. <laughs> it's like it's a beer they brewed two months ago and they aged it on a niece or something. Right. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. So that's beer, great. beers yeah. about your friends and your family and sharing it and having a good time. Not about you know a white whale. <laughs> I completely I agree it. with that. That's great. I mean, that's what Collective Brew is all about. This podcast is to bring everybody together. I mean, no matter what, you know, 
how many craft beers you've had, if you've had like a million of them or not, you should just like... You want to take the snooty out of it. Drink oh, beer! Don't you have 500 untapped badges? I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm drinking if the I'm beer. Drinking, I'm not on the app. I'm not too busy to like go on the app and like. You don't care on a notebook it. journal like, oh yeah, had this beer today. Uh, <laughs> I had this beer before it, so that might alter my taste buds when I'm tasting <laughs> it. Like, like, that's not what what craft brewing should be about. It no. should be about exploring new beers and trying different things. They probably all need beers. <laughs> Have an opinion? Share it with us at Collective BRW. That's at C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E-B-R-W. Follow us on Instagram at the same. We'll randomly pick the best tweet and send them a little gift from Alpha Brewing Company.